Welcome to the next episode of LTK Let's Talk Knicks Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Sklar, along always uh, with Brandon here. And we've got some stuff to talk about today. Last week, I made a joke at the end that we'd probably be breaking down the Josh Hart contract because there wouldn't be that much. I was wrong because it's rumor season. NBA draft is a week away, and we finally today seem like uh, the rumor mill was getting going a little bit. We've been hearing stuff about Bradley Beal. We've been hearing a lot of stuff about Zion. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Townsend, Zach Levine are, all, are obviously still in the mix. So we got a lot to talk about today. How you doing, man? You know, another day, another dollar. Uh, great to be back at it. And like you said, lots of fun NBA news to talk about. Lots of fun Knicks news to talk about. And usually with how these things go, whenever a star player is brought up, whenever a guy is uh, unhappy or has the potential to get moved, the Knicks are always brought into the mix. It's like, it's nothing like anything else in all of sports. So let's start with the guy that we missed out on in 2019, but who knows? We might have a second shot at him. Uh, Zion Williamson. Um, I'll, I'll kick it to you because I, I kind of just want to respond to what you have to say about him. I know that in our group chat, I'm kind of in the minority on Zion because I have some serious concerns um, you know, the not playing concern, out of shape, lack of commitment, red flags. What Brian Windhorst said about he doesn't have much of a relationship with the Pelicans and his teammates, I thought was like the ultimate, wait, what the fuck did he just say? Like, to me, that's a massive red flag. But uh, like, what do you, what would you think about it? And what do you even think his trade value is at this point? Because I'm Obviously, I'm a little I'm kind of against it, but I'm definitely against the idea of the Knicks saying this is the guy. Let's give him quickly. Let's give him ground. Let's give him like our best assets. Let's unload the assets that we've been building up for Zion. I mean, it's it's like a mix of everything, right? Because you, you look at his at his career in terms of how many games he's played. In his entire career, he's played 24-61, injured all of 21-22, and then 29 games this past season. You know, this isn't a guy that's been consistently on the floor. But, on the other hand, when he's on the floor, he looks like one of the he's best amazing. players in the league. One of the yeah, best. He's amazing. And I think what it comes down to is, are you willing to bank on the talent level? Are you willing to bank on the superstar when he's on the floor versus all the other baggage? And I say baggage in the sense because it's not just on the court basketball related issues. There's also some off the court storylines that we've yeah, been yeah. very Which, privy to. But yeah, and that's you know, the red flag to me is like if you have a guy that's like, yeah, he has problem staying in shape and we don't really know what's going on with him and like you said he missed the entire season but the reports about his injury were so inconsistent and then you would see these videos of him throwing down these like 360 windmill dunks and you look at him and you're like oh my god the upside is so there but how could you not be concerned like it's horrifying what if this guy just never plays honestly i'll take julius randall in like at least he plays like Obviously, the talent discrepancy, it's not even close. Zion's a thousand times more talented. But at least I know one of the guys actually will play basketball. The thing is, 
like all these different conversations about star players, it's nuanced. It's not just a black or white thing. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, you know, Zion, yes, he hasn't been healthy to this point, and he has been able to stay on the floor. But is there a reason for that? Is he maybe not thrilled with his situation in New Orleans and just in, info hasn't come out about that? Maybe that's starting to be trickled out now. Is there some an issue he has with the medical staff and how they viewed his past injuries compared to maybe how his own doctor or a medical professional he sees sees injuries? You know, this isn't stuff that is new to NBA players. We saw the Kawhi Leonard issue with his injury and how the Spurs wanted to go about it and how he wanted to go about it. We've seen that with certain players at the end of their tenures at different places, a la James Harden before he got traded. Guys will do crazy things, and it's the NBA. You can't rule out guys doing different things to force their way out of situations that they don't want to be in. It's not far-fetched, but back to just a pure basketball standpoint, you know, I think Zion is the type of guy you take that chance on. Because, yes, he may not be on the floor as much right now, but if he hits, you have your superstar alongside Jalen Brunson. You have your 1B to Jalen Brunson's 1A. Or he's the 1A to Jalen Brunson's 1B. I don't think you're going to have to give up an insane amount of assets. I think it would be a good amount of assets. But I don't think you're breaking the entire bank to get Zion. And if that's the case, I feel a lot more confident than oh, you have to trade six first-round picks to get Zion. There's that fine line between where I'm comfortable going after him and where I'm like, I think I'm not going to. Right. Well, okay, so we disagree on a couple things. Because first of all, I would not bank on on the thought that Zion was just unhappy in New Orleans and he would come to New York and he would be happy and he would play and he would get himself in shape. I don't buy that. I just don't. Like – I totally understand the rationale and you're so right about James Harden and some other guys that we've seen that will like do whatever to force their way out of a situation, but never have we seen it from a guy who has proven so little in the NBA. Like James Harden at least was an MVP. James Harden was carrying the Rockets deep into playoff series. He wasn't winning them, you know, because his playoff history isn't great, but he was at least that guy. And Zion has been that guy when he's been on the floor. But what what has it been? One season that he's played over 60 games? He's never actually been on the floor. I'm not banking on him to all of a sudden want to resurrect his work ethic because he got traded to the Knicks. And also, in terms of well, what would they have to give up? If some of the rumors are true and the Hornets are legitimately interested in giving up the Scoot Henderson pick, then you're going to have to beat that. And I think Scoot Henderson is an amazing prospect. I think he's going to be great. You know, if I'm if if I'm the Pelicans and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, wow, I can have Scoot and I can have Brandon Ingram and maybe the Pelicans will throw me back like an expiring contract that will go away in a year and I can reset this thing. That seems a lot more appealing to me than maybe Fournier's contract and some other stuff if the Knicks didn't want to include their major assets of Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes. You know, they probably would have to give up RJ or Julius in the trade. They're definitely, you know, from what we're hearing, I don't think Julius is really on the table. So you're looking at an RJ Fournier 
you know, maybe quickly and picks because you have to beat the Scoot Henderson offer if that exists. And I'm not willing to go that far for Zion Williamson. I love, I love his upside, but the guy just doesn't play. And I have, and I can't like, I'm not giving that much up for a guy that I can't rely on. I don't think he's reliable. I just don't. And, and that's fair. That's a hundred percent fair. To your point, though, I don't think RJ goes back in a Zion deal because I think one of the main reasons he'd want to go to New York is because of RJ Barrett, former teammates at Duke. Right, but then what would the Pelicans accept, right? Like, you'd have to come up with something that's going to be better than what Charlotte could offer and that New Orleans would be like, yeah, we'll do that. You're probably, unfortunately, you're probably having to put another asset or two in replacement of a guy like Barrett. And, And that's just how it works. But at the end of the day, we talked about this a little bit the other day, too. Not saying that it would work. Not saying that it's even warranted. But could Zion play the card of, I'm only going to X location or Y location. And if that location ends up being New York, does he just outright refuse to play for whoever trades for him? That's a wrinkle that I feel like seeing what's happened with him, I don't think that's out of the question. I don't it's think it's realistic, the, it's not but out it's of the not question. out of the question. It's not out of the question, but my pushback on it would be, has he really done enough in the NBA to be one of those guys that can say, I'm only playing for the Knicks? And yeah, he could get traded to Charlotte and he could not show up, but his trade value, his, his actual value, what he's worth, is already a very hotly debated. There are some people that are like, it's just a couple of expirings, and there are other people that think that you would give up the kitchen sink for him. If he were to get traded somewhere else and decide that he's too good for that location, what does that do for his value? What does that do for, for his rep around the league? I'm not sure if he's really in a position to be able to do that. I don't think that, that he is where Harden was when he got traded from Houston and then forced his way out of Brooklyn again, 18 months later. You know, I I don't think that it's the same thing. I'm not sure that Zion has, He's got the name brand recognition, but I'm not sure if he has the 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 credo on the basketball court at the moment, other than the, you know, the hundred plus games that we've seen over the course of four years to, to really like put his foot down and say, I'm only playing for the Knicks. I, I just don't I don't see that happening. I, and maybe and maybe that's, you know, just me and maybe I'm the minority on that, but I don't think that he's. At this moment, I don't think his value is high enough around the league for him to for him to be able to say, like, I'm only playing for the Knicks, and if you trade me anywhere else, good luck, I'm not showing up. I don't know if that's a card that he can play. Well, I'll be real with you. I agree. He hasn't done enough on the basketball court to even come close to wielding that type of power. My What I'm saying is I think there's a possibility he tries to do it regardless. I think there's a possibility that he just tries to angle his way to a certain location, regardless of what he's done on the floor. And we could say, oh, you know, that's just hypothetical. I mean, you look at some of the stuff he's done, and if reports are true, if he doesn't have a single good relationship with anyone on the Pelicans, if he doesn't have a good relationship with anyone on the Pelicans, as ESPN's Brian Winhorst spoke about recently, What's to say that he's just going to come to the new organization and be like, I'm not playing for you. I don't want to be here. We've already had the hotly contested injury things where 
you know, the foot and how is that healing? And is Zion actually able to come back? Oh, he's doing windmill dunks. Why isn't he on the floor? We've seen all this stuff. But and doesn't it, that concern you? Doesn't the, the doesn't the no relationship thing like isn't that like the I think that that's the biggest red flag I've ever heard of. Like, absolutely. How do, you, how, do you not, how do you not have relationships in the organization? How do you not have relationships with your teammates? Like, I don't I don't get that. And yeah, I get the sentiment that, well, he would be playing with RJ. They're best friends from college. It would be different. But would it be like, are we 100 percent sure that it would be different? Well, this is why when I say I would take the shot on him, it's taking the shot on him at the right price. It's not the willy-nilly, we're just going to get Zion at, by any means necessary. That is by far the wrong decision and not what the Knicks should do in the slightest. But if there is a price point where they're comfortable giving up that amount of assets and the Pelicans are okay with that amount of assets coming back, and the parameters of the trade work, you, you're taking a low-risk, high-reward shot on Zion. That's what it would be. It, you're not taking a high-risk, high-reward in the sense of how many assets you're giving up, but it'd be one of those trades where, hey, we're taking a shot on this guy because we believe he can be this. It's not a trade where you're saying, he is this. He is the superstar that's always on the floor. And we're adding him to our roster because we know he's going to be that. There is a huge risk factor involved with Zion. That is, that's just fact. You can't argue with that. There is an inherent risk factor built in with Zion Williamson. What I am saying is I'm willing at the right price point in terms of Knicks giving up assets. I would be willing to take on that risk because of what that could mean for both the Knicks and really Zion himself as a player. Would you be willing to give up Emmanuel quickly in a Zion trade? Because I don't think if, if you're not giving up quickly, I, I, I don't think that you're getting him because I think if Charlotte offers them Scoot Henderson, that is a significantly better asset than anybody that the Knicks can bring forward unless the Knicks decided that this was their kitchen sink trade. In which case, of course, they could throw quickly, they could throw grinds, they have all these extra picks. I mean, we've been over the things that they could give up a, a, a number of times in, you know, a hypothetical megastar and Embiid trade, something like that. But unless you're viewing Zion in that prism, I'm not sure you're getting him because I think if Charlotte really puts the number two pick on the table, that's the best offer. And I'm, and I'm not willing to give up. And I saw your hesitancy, so I think you agree. I'm not willing to give up Emmanuel quickly and, and more. And, like, I'm not willing to give up all of that for Zion. I think there's too many red flags. Well, that's the thing. We, we talk about that line where the assets become one type of trade to another type of trade. I think if you put a Grimes in this trade, it's – doesn't really affect me that much. Obviously, love Grimes as a player, but you're you're getting Zion. You know, Fournier for salary purposes, and I'd say maybe a Julius Randle with two picks. Which I that's probably not like a small amount, but that's probably what you're getting from a Zion trade where the Pelicans are probably sending you something in return. You're not only getting Zion. 
I'm not sure I would do that. And, and listen, I, I could look like I have egg on my face a year from now if Zion comes back and he's got this healthy season and he plays the way that he – because, listen, on the court, I'm not arguing with anybody that when the guy's on the court, he's as dominant a player in the paint. He's as easy at two points as you can find in the NBA. The guy is unbelievable. But I just – the best ability in sports is availability. And say what you want about Julius Randle. The guy plays every single – game and he plays hard every single regular season game so i i am not i'm not like oh julius grimes fournier and picks done that is not how i feel about it at all that i i i have a a, a lot of hesitancy just throwing randall grimes and, and picks away for a player that i know can be that guy but I haven't seen any legitimate evidence that he's durable enough to be that guy. The talent's there, the production's there, all of that is there. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. But he, uh, the games, like I, I've been over my, I'm not going to rerun down my concerns that I've said six times a bit. I just, I'm not comfortable doing that for for Zion with with what we have learned about Zion in the last four years and really the last 48 hours as people are d- trying to discuss what his trade value is. I think the fluctuation in the Zion trade value is as big a red flag as any of the others, because there's no legitimate, like this is what Zion's worth. Even people around the league are confused about what to, o- what to offer for this guy. So uh, why would I be sitting here saying like, yeah, let's, let, let's do it. Let's give them the guy who's been, in a, uh, an interval part of turning around the franchise, let's give him a legitimate young player, uh, a contract that we could put in any trade and picks. That, that feels like a lot to me. But well, I'd add, you go, go ahead. Go well, ahead. If, if you really think about it, right, even a low-risk Zion deal, Randall is probably your main starting point. Because if it's not Randall, it's probably Barrett. So that, it's either one of those two guys. However you feel about those two players, I, I feel like if you feel one way about Randall, you put Barrett in. If you feel a way about Barrett, you put Randall in. That's what it comes down to. Where the fluctuation happens is, you know, are you adding Fournier to maybe save yourself another pick? That's probably a deciding factor in the sense of the salary is a very valuable asset. And if you're not adding that with the Pelicans – want another pick or a pick swap in return. And then I feel like you have to put a young player in there, but the young player for me, it would either be Grimes or quickly. And that's where the transition part in this trade happens for me. If I'm putting quickly in the trade, I'm you're going all in. You're saying Zion is that guy. Whereas Grimes, Grimes, while being a very valuable and very integral part of what the Knicks do, he is, does not mean as much to the team as what Emmanuel quickly does and the way it quickly has developed and I think will continue to develop. That's where I think the fluctuation and difference happens. However you want to look at picks, I think a pick, at least one, has to go the other way. That number can also fluctuate depending on how all-in you want to be with the trade, who you're competing with for that trade, if you're seriously thinking of this as a possibility. But I agree with you. You know, it's not set in stone. It's This isn't something where, you know, there's a locked in immediate, yes, this is what Zion's value is. And that's where the fun discussion like we're having comes in 
because you're not high on Zion. You're a, if Randall Grimes and Fournier and Picks are even involved, I'm done completely. Whereas I'm on the other side, I'm like, I would think about it. And to an extent, depending on how many assets I'm giving up, I would do a deal. But, and, and, and that goes to the point. I'm, I personally would be banking on Zion's potential and what he's shown on the court and banking that maybe, as we've seen in sports countless times, a change of scenery would be vital for him. But your point also is valid as well because a change of scenery could mean absolutely nothing for him. And the Knicks just burn the assets and they're in a bad position. There's the two sides of the argument. And that's what makes the offseason so fun. Right. And I think that's where our fundamental difference lies is that I think your stance on it is if he gets traded to the Knicks, you would, if it's 50 50, that he either like gets his shit together or he doesn't, you think he's on the side of he'll figure it out, he'll be happier, he'll be more integrated, he'll, he'll, he'll be, you know, more invested, he'll want to be here. He'll, and I'm on the side of like, I've seen what I've seen. And I, I, I struggle to, to just equate him going to New York, meaning everything's going to work out. I, I see, you know, and I hope I'm wrong for his sake, but I see a little Ben Simmons in this, in, in what has been happening. I see a guy that. Those are some harsh words to throw around. Listen, it is. The guy has, (laughs) Ben Simmons is the single worst contract in all of American professional sports right now, I think. But like, I, you know, except for maybe Max Scherzer, but you know, you just look at, you look at what happened with Ben Simmons and he gets, you know, he gets traded to Brooklyn and everybody thought, man, you put him with KD and Kyrie and he doesn't really have to be, you know, don't worry about him developing a jump shot. He could just run the, you know, he could run transition and he'll be great finding those guys. And it just never really worked out because there have always been question marks about work ethic and commitment. And I think when there are question marks about work ethic and commitment, for me, I'm automatically out. That to me is something I just can't get over, no matter how talented, no matter how productive, no matter how anything else. When you tell me that there are that there are commitment issues and work ethic issues, I'm out. And maybe you're right. Maybe he would maybe he would solve his problems. And again, like I said, on the upside of this, if it worked out, I'm gonna look like the biggest fool. Because he is that good. He is that good. But I just don't, I am on the other side. I think it's more likely that the commitment and work ethic and and being out of shape and those issues would still be more at the forefront than his pure ability as a basketball player. Which I guess leads us to, unless you have, here, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, no, I was going to do a transition. I was going to say for someone that, we should shift to someone that you wouldn't have to worry about work ethic, uh, Bradley Beal. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about work ethic, but you do have to worry about injuries and contracts, which the Bradley Beal contract, I think, is the biggest red flag with Bradley Beal. But I'll, I'll just ask you this. like, Would you be more comfortable including Grimes or Quickly in a Zion trade or a Bradley Beal trade? You see, like both both – Trades have their drawbacks, you know, but if I'm really looking at it, I feel more comfortable about a Zion trade because at the very least, if you look at it on the surface level, Zion is a younger player. Injuries kind of wash out. 
and contract, I'd say Zion's on probably a better deal than than what Beal is on. That is a tongue twister if I've ever heard one. But <laughs> like, it's just a matter of you know Beal is about to be thirty years old. He's a guard that already not even thirty has dealt with injuries. You know, guards like him don't exactly age the best in terms of their athleticism and staying on the court. We've seen this time and time again. But on the other hand, you know, you don't have the off-the-court concerns in terms of the leadership and the work ethic that you would have with a Zion Williamson. I'm banking on the the younger age and the higher potential, quote-unquote, with Zion in that trade. But I could 100% understand if you say Beal, because of what he's already accomplished, the type of player he is, the type of leader he's been. And I think either way, it would be a move that would benefit the Knicks. But I wouldn't say it would be this over-the-top move that all of a sudden the Knicks are just the contender in the East. And I also, I I would have, if it was Beal, I'd have questions defensively because I don't know what him and Brunson as the front court uh, or as the back court, excuse me, look like defensively. I think both of those guys are kind of defensive liabilities. And I think if you're including a Grimes or a Quickly, who are great perimeter defenders, you know, especially Quickly, even when Quickly's shot's not going, he is a true difference maker on the defensive end of the basketball floor. So I think defensively, I I have my concerns there. Obviously the contract and a lot of what you just talked about uh, with Bradley Beal is very accurate. And also, like I said, with Zion and Charlotte, I think Miami is a serious player for Bradley Beal. I think they just got to the NBA finals without Tyler Hero. So I think the first guy going in a Bradley Beal trade from Miami's perspective is Tyler Hero. So now all of a sudden you're in a position where you have to beat the trade. So you're going to have to throw in some real assets for Bradley Beal. I, I don't know how much of a take this is. Uh, maybe maybe some people think that this is a hot take. Maybe some people won't. What if the Knicks just decide there's too much risk with all of these trades, Beal, Levine, Zion, Carl Anthony Towns, let's just run it back and see what happens. And let's have a more – now, Nick's Twitter would lose it because uh, of what we saw in the playoffs. But isn't there a version of this offseason where the Knicks just decide to use the mid-level exception and just to run it back? Because do you really want Carl Anthony Towns' contract? Do you really want Zach Levine? Do you really want to go all in on Bradley Beal? Do you really want Zion with all those off-the-court issues? Like, are you sure that this is the right time to make one of these moves? I agree with your first point. You know, every single quote-unquote superstar that's available right now, that's the key. Right now, there's Which will always be the key in the NBA offseason. You know, always. There's an issue you could bring up between Levine, uh, you could argue contract and injuries. Cardinal Anthony Towns, definitely contract. You know, Zion, we talked about at length already. Bradley Beal, like we talked about already. You can bring up a point where they definitely benefit the Knicks if you add them, but in terms of what you're giving up and what their current version of themselves are, how much is that actually benefiting your team? The second point, though, is 
I would be livid if they just simply said, yeah, we're not making changes to the roster. We're running it back. You have to add shooting in some capacity. Right. Well, I'm not saying no changes. Okay. I'm just thinking, that's we, that's what no, I thought no, you were saying. I, All no, right. No, no. I, meant, I meant run it back like with this core. Like they just, just decide – Randall, Barrett, Brunson, Hart, Mitchell Robinson, all those guys are back. Quickly, Grimes, those guys are – and the moves that they make are more on the fringes. They use their mid-level exception on a shooter. They add more shooting to the bench. They get maybe a Gabe Vincent or a Seth Curry or a Dante DiVincenzo. That, to me, makes a lot more sense than overpaying because for a trade, for the sake of feeling like you have to make this – big altering trade that's burned the Knicks before it's we've seen it burn right. the Knicks before and it's burned the Knicks after a run to the second round of the playoffs last time they went to the second round of the playoffs what'd they do they turned around and they traded Steve Novak Richardson Camby and picks for Andrea Bargnani which might go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the franchise and I'm not saying that any of these guys that we're talking about are Andrea Bargnani but I'm just saying like I think there's real merit to the argument of, hey, we made the second round last year. Like, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world to just keep building what we have instead of trying to change the change course. Well, you could argue that this could be a quote-unquote final run for this core. Be like, hey, we're giving you guys the reins one more time. If you can't you know, get past or get to the same point, we're, we're going to make changes. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to give Julius the reins one more time to see if he can finally overcome his playoff woes. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to give RJ Barrett another year to see if he can find his three-point shot again and develop more as a scorer entering his, what, age 22, 23 season. He you know, just turned 23 the other day. Happy yeah. birthday, RJ. Enter, entering his age 23 season. I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing, but you would have to make additions and you would have to be confident that the additions you make along with the core is better than what your team looks like with a Carl Anthony Towns, better than what your team looks like with a Zion Williamson potentially, better than what your team looks like with a Bradley Beal. Zach Levine. You're basically weighing the opportunity cost of those two things. And quite frankly, if you like your team better without having to make the trade, don't make the trade. It's simple as that. Like it's not a, like you said, we have to make a trade. The, the one that always comes back to me. And I've always thought about this. What if the Knicks just waited to free agency for Carmelo Anthony? Everyone and their mother knew he was coming to the Knicks. It was literally the worst kept secret. If the Knicks would have waited a few more months, they would have had Mello and all the assets they traded to Denver. But because because the Knicks didn't want to wait, they made the trade early. You talked about the Bargnani trade. You could go year after year after year. Before the Knicks actually got, I'd argue, adults in the building, (laughs) if we if we want to be real about it, that knew how to run a team, they would just throw away picks and throw away assets just for the sake of throwing away assets. And that's what I don't want them to do. You know, we talked about Zion. Zion's the one guy I would go after. It probably It's probably him and like a tie between Levine and Beal. 
And Carl Anthony Towns, contract purposes, probably not. But talent-wise, he's probably higher on that list. At the end of the day, you can't just make a move to make a move. It has to make sense. It has to align with what you want to do as a team. And it has to not cripple you in the sense of you're giving up most of your assets. Yeah, I uh, I think that that's really interesting what you just accidentally did there, which is power rank the four guys. So I'll go ahead and do the same. <laughs> um, uh, I think I would agree with with your list of Zion. I think Beal is definitely ahead of, of Zach Levine. I would go Zion, Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, and then Levine. And, and you know, I'm not pro Carl Anthony Towns. I just acknowledge that the guy is super talented and he's – the type of center that is also a, a stretch five that can also do all the other things. Although we talked funny in our RJ Barrett episode, we talked about his amazing irrational confidence. Talk about an irrational confidence team. If they could get Carl, if they could get the basketball changer himself, Carl Anthony Towns and RJ Barrett on the same team, man, th- this team may not be the 27 war- 2017 Warriors, but they would think they're the 2017 Warriors, and that's half the battle. And if you, uh, still, had, and if you, if you still have Randall on that team somehow, look out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> your, your point about the Carmelo trade, and I don't you know, mean to get into a, a thir- uh, 12-year-old re- uh, revisionist history on the Carmelo trade, but I think what people often forget – is that the Nets were really close to trading for Carmelo, like right before the Knicks did. And then the Nets ended up pivoting to uh, to Darren Williams. Uh, my, I, I wonder if he had been traded to the Nets, would he have gone to the Knicks? Because, of course, the, um, you know, the prevailing thought is that he would have. But New Jersey's close enough, and they were moving to Brooklyn a few years later. I'm not so sure that that the narrative that Carmelo Anthony was definitely going to be a Nick in that free agent summer is necessarily true. Cause I think that there was a real possibility that he was going to be traded to the Nets. And I think the Nets could have convinced him to stay in that. I, I do, but, but I don't mean to get off on a, off on a, a random Carmelo Anthony trade argument from 12 years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, like, I mean, like, look, I mean, we talk about the Zion thing. Uh, the, the deal that we've talked about seems like seems like an overpay. And to me, how willing am I to overpay for Zion? And, you know, we like to reference other New York sports teams. So I'm going to reference the trade that the Jets made for the guy on your shirt. You know, uh, a pick swap, a conditional first next year and some other picks. That was probably a little bit of an overpay. But you know what? Everybody was willing to do it. Like, you're obviously willing to make the overpay for, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who is just the greatest human being of all time. Like, I'm not sure how willing I am to overpay for Zion today. And again, like I said, I could look like such a moron in a year if Zion comes back and even has one really healthy season because he's that good. I'm just telling you, I don't see that happening. It's a fair assessment. Like like I said before, it's a fair assessment. And I think what it boils down to, what's your risk level in terms of what are you willing to trade and how are you willing to make these trades? Because all of these guys that we're talking about today, tomorrow, up until free agency starts, up until the draft, it all depends what your comfortability level is in terms of what you're giving up and how they fit with the team. 
I think this I think this draft is going to be crazy because I think both Charlotte and Portland could potentially make some big trades with those second and third picks, particularly Portland. I mean, we keep talking about Zion to Charlotte. Zion to Portland makes a lot of sense to me. If Portland's looking to add somebody with Dame to compete right now, and like if they really don't want to use the third pick on a, another like developmental piece, even though I think Brandon Miller is pretty good. I, I could see why they're like, I would rather have Zion. I think that works for Portland. I think that works for New Orleans. I think that's another really interesting Zion destination. So the Knicks would have to beat all these offers. And I just don't, I'm not sure that they should do that for Zion. But on that note, uh, we will have to leave it here. Um, another great episode. We'll, we'll be back soon. NBA draft next week. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. You want to get anything in before we go? Yeah, honestly, just excited to see how everything unfolds. You know, with the NBA, it can be one thing that we talked about on this episode. And by the next time we're just talking to you guys, the entire landscape of the league could have shifted. The entire landscape of how the Knicks are approaching an offseason could have shifted. So I'm just excited to see how everything unfolds because it's going to be very interesting to see how the NBA and how the Knicks look in the next few weeks. That'll do it for us on this episode of LTK. Let's talk Knicks. I'm Jacob. That's Brandon. We will, uh, we'll catch you guys next time.